Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of 11 Questions, where each week we meet a new person and get to know them. I'm your host, Daman Tiwana, and today we meet Rani Shah, the author of a very unique and creative book called Wisdom from a Humble Jellyfish. Let's find out more about her after this quick word from our sponsor. Hey Rani, welcome to 11 Questions. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you for being my guest today. I'm so, so excited. This is like the coolest concept I've heard. <laughs> Thank you. So jumping into it, my first question is, what's your educational or professional background? Great question. I studied chemical engineering for my bachelor's degree, largely because I am very Indian. My <laughs> parents were like, if it's not a professional degree, why would you do it? And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So that's my educational background which is total 180 from my professional background. The day I graduated college, I joined one of my friend's startups called Monkey Bars. And it was a startup in Chicago. I went to college in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. And it was all about how to set up hackathons. And like, you know, for the tech community, it was me and two other people. So I gave myself the title of communications lead or something. Communications. I knew I could like type and write pretty okay. And then that was in 2014 that blossomed into a legitimate communications and content social media career. So I'm currently a content and social media manager on the brand team at a company called Trello, which is mm. an organizational. Um, yeah, I've used Trello. Nice. I feel a lot of creatives do gravitate towards Trello. So loving it there. And yeah, big pivot from chemical engineering. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. And that leads me to my next question. Did you always want to be an author? Because that's like another pivot. I get this question asked me quite a bit and it's kind of like I would have always enjoyed the option to be an author. It's kind of like if somebody found the average person, they're like, hey, do you want to be a supermodel? Do you want to be a movie star? I think the average person would be like, yeah, I would enjoy that experience. Like, thank you. So I think part of me is like, I would have loved to have been an author. Like that would have been something I would have enjoyed doing. I never actively pursued it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a better caveat. So the way my book came about, um, I just, I've always enjoyed writing. I've always been not terrible at it, which is a very <laughs> imposter syndrome way of saying I'm pretty good at it. But it's been the thing I'm the least worst at. Getting a book opportunity came by surprise. It wasn't something I planned for. So yes, I always wanted to be an author, but I never expected to be one. Same way as somebody who came up to me and is like, would you like to be a professional chef? I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to work towards it. But I love the job. So I, I am thrilled that I got this chance. Seeing your name on a piece of text just feels very, very gratifying. So yeah, I can only imagine. So it's, it's, a, it's been a great experience. And do you have a role model in life? Ooh, I don't think I have one person that I just, you know, consider them my model. I feel like I have an ecosystem role models, if that makes sense. My family is humongous. I grew up in a big, fat Gujarati family. Grew up with all my, you know, masis, masas, boys who was for Gujarati. If you're not, it just means your aunts and uncles, maternal side, paternal side. So I grew up with a lot of family. I grew up, my grandparents lived maybe two miles away from my house, all my mom's siblings. I grew up with a lot of cousins, a lot of that. So I, I would say my role models would be just the way in which my actual family, my parents, and mm -hmm. I think my aunts and uncles and my older cousins, younger cousins, you know, my, my grandparents, I think the way they lived their life is a big part of being a role model for me, which I think mm -hmm. it comes down to, I think there's like this Hindi saying, like, kao pio mazakaro or something like that. <laughs> uh, and today's guys like, eat, drink, and have fun. And 
you know, there's also a Punjabi song which literally says the same thing. I think you're, there is like a thing, right? And it's like, I love that. I think it's also a very Indian culture thing, which I, I, I appreciate, which is basically like it, the crux of it just means eat, drink, be merry. And I think I, I love that. It, it doesn't literally mean like just be a glutton and be a drunkard. It, it, that's not what it means. <laughs> My family, I think, takes that on as like the priority in life should be eating good food, having a good time and being happy. And I think whatever means it takes to get there is what should it's what the priority should be. And I think I take that into whatever I can, whether it's a stressful day at work, kind of take a second and I'm like okay just make sure your house and yourself and your health is okay and that's stupid report or weird due date you have is not going to be as important as your next meal it'll be fine so my role models just the way in which I think my family and family friends live their life I think they're living a happy life and they seem to be enjoying their every day and that is the goal especially this last year I think that just kind of yeah was into perspective like tired of having like shit days it's how good days yeah <laughs> i love that answer also that first you don't idolize just one person and secondly you know just having that motto in life is so great i'm glad i hope you i hope you have a good meal soon <laughs> <laughs> going back to your book you have so many different animals in it so i have to ask you what's your spirit animal Ooh. okay so i've always loved octopuses and that is the plural <laughs> Talk about them in my book. Love octopuses. Yeah, I remember that. Favorite, favorite animal. I, the reason, and I don't know if that's who I can identify with. I think, okay, realistically, realistically, I'm like a cat. Like, I just eat, I want to nap, I get hyper sometimes, I can be kind of reclusive, I can be kind of cuddly. Like, you know, it's, I think as a person, my physical manifestation would probably be a cat. What I would like to be, what I would like, I like to think my mind is like, is like an octopus, which is flexible there's like eight tentacles going like reaching for everything a lot of octopus species actually can like camouflage like crazy um a good example of that um there's this ted talk forgot who it's by but it's about like aquatic life and they show footage of these like cephalopods and they literally can not just mold their skin texture but their like shape so they can look coral so i just love that they are flexible in their extremities but also their environment and how they kind of you know adjust everything and i think it's also just so sneaky, so badass. <laughs> like, how cool would it be if you're walking home and, like, you're kind of scared to so like, disguise yourself as a mailbox, you know? Like, <laughs> he's so cool. Like, no one bothers you until, like, you're out of harm's way. So I'm probably literally a cat, but I'd like to think I'm working towards becoming an octopus. <laughs> okay. So you're a cat who wants to be an octopus. Yeah, Got I'm it. an octocat. <laughs> sure. Let's make that a thing. Yeah, that's my next book, everybody. <laughs> how to become two animals. <laughs> So you have written this book and you have put your work out there. It's inevitable that you'll get both positive, negative feedback. So do you think you're good at taking criticism and how do you handle it? I think I've gotten better at handling criticism. I think inherently from the moment we were born, I think everybody is terrible at handling criticism. Like, you know, it's just not a normal reaction. Like, wow, thank you so much for like the negative thoughts. I really, like, <laughs> nobody, nobody thinks that everyone's like, shut up, man. Like, you know, stop, you know, like, stop dissing my, like, you know, like, no one wants that. However, I think ever since I started working, probably in my professional life, I think having a job or being in any sort of professional situation, you kind of have to deal with criticism. It's going to happen, um, whether or not you agree with it, whether or not it's legitimate, um, whether or not you expected it. So I've gotten better at it. 
I think as you experience more, you realize that not just feedback, but also failure is a part of life. I'm a big, big like person on like, I love talking about failure. I mean, I failed a lot. I literally failed a lot of classes in college. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I just failed a lot of things. But with failure comes a lot of self-criticism. I don't think I've gotten better at that. I think I'm my biggest critic. I'm also Indian, so it's like inherently in our culture, it's like, oh. It's in the DNA. Yeah, it's like, not just with yourself, it's also like, like, <laughs> one time. Like, you like, like silly, silly things. I'll come back home. Oh, is it like my, my grandmother? I'll be like, oh, like, you know, you look good now. <laughs> like, you look good now. <laughs> my entire life, I thought I looked good. I look good now. Like, what? <laughs> Like one time she was like, oh, like I'll say in Gujarati, I'll translate it. She's like, oh, tu pela sukeli lagtiti, which literally translates to, you look dried out before. And I'm like, bro, like I thought I looked great. It's, and I get it. It's coming from a place of like love, like they feel close enough. So it's a very different contextual culture. So that's a very different type of criticism. You know, when it comes to like professional and like academic, whatever, like your, your, your work criticism, that is tough to take. I mean, there's physical and types of criticism. So um, there's consequences attached to work criticism, right? If you don't know how to navigate that. No, totally. And I think, I mean, even, you know, you, you run a podcast, you're going to be getting comments here and there. You want to stick to the good ones and like think about those, but such it's human nature to stick to the bad ones. Um, I'll end my answer with a funny of the funniest criticism I've gotten recently. So, you know, when you go on the internet, people talk about your book. It's inevitable. People are going to talk about it. On Goodreads, there's this review that very literally says, you know, like not bad, like pretty good. However, it's highly biased against creationists. And I'm like, I'm like the audacity. Fine, believe what you'd like, but this is a very science-based book. Leave your comment. But this person gave me three out of five stars because it did not fit their creationist standards. And I'm like, <laughs> this is not the place for this. So there are certain times where I'm criticized like that, where it's like, that's actually so funny. Like I will take it. Like that is the funniest thing. Like I, I think it's. I guess that's the best way to take it because what else would you do with that? Yeah, what else am I going to, how am I going to do that? I mean, so yeah, I've gotten better at handling criticism and that's all I can hope for. I don't think I'll ever master it, but as long as I'm improving, I'm okay. And what's the best praise that you have gotten? Oh my God, don't do this. <laughs> oh, I'm sweating. Um, <laughs> okay, two things I'm really proud of with the book. One thing, publisher, um, ooh, what's the name? Publishers Weekly? The publishing people, <laughs> they people who give reviews, they left me a very positive review. I'm very thankful for that. I'm blanking, which is terrible. But this is basically the organization that is the industry standard for new books that come out. So booksellers mm-hmm. will, and it, booksellers and libraries will look at them to be like, hey, you know, what's what's good? What's happening? What's, what's great about the menu? So that meant a lot. Like I still totally secretly look at that review sometimes. I feel down. <laughs> yeah. So that that one felt really good. And then. Um, one of my aunts emailed me after reading this book and she just was so proud and happy and th- she's totally biased. Like I know she's my aunt, like she's my mom, so she's going to be biased, but just the fact that someone took time out to tell me how they felt. Clearly I'm highly uncomfortable talking about praise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and I'm also trying to get better at that. Thank you for asking that question because it forces us to kind of, forces me to feel better about myself, which I can only say thank you for. <laughs> <laughs> and your book also touches a lot on mental wellness. So are there any tips that you implement in your life to stay mentally fit and resilient? Great. 
Great, great question. I think especially this last year, it's been a reckoning with a lot of us for mental health, right? Like what do we do? What do we watch? I personally love being on Twitter, but it's like a trash fire. It's like, you know, what, what do you do? How do you feel better? I'd say there's multiple things from here that even I struggle with, even though I wrote about it, I still struggle with sometimes. But some of the things I do take to heart are, this is very cliche, but literally the book is about a jellyfish, um, well, one of the chapters, and it's about taking rest and breaks in between. And I think we don't, I don't think most of us grow up in a culture where um, taking a break is encouraged or taught. I think mm-hmm. we see breaks like, oh, if you're exercising or running, then yeah, you'll take a break, like, you know, sit, drink water. But I don't think we see our brains and our health that way, which is a shame because I think most people have all experienced some form of burnout in their life. And I definitely have. I go through cycles of burnout, but I've gotten better at understanding what's happening. So my biggest feedback and tip and favorite thing from here is the jellyfish. You know, I tell people it moves like this. And in order for it to move forward, it has to pause and release. And I think as people, we also need to do that because it goes back to just this bigger underlying question of what is the purpose of being around. And if it, the purpose of life, I don't know what it is, but I know what it's not. It's not to be stressed out. Like that is not what we're here for. So that is, I think, especially right now, give ourselves a break. It's okay if you're not meeting everything possible that you wanted to meet because it's out of your control. Another one that I've always really loved is I talk about the shrimp. There's like two types of shrimp I talk about, which I, you know, they're super, super weird and super cool. Um, basically, when I think about shrimp, they're like these like small, puny, little, pathetic things that people eat in like fancy rich people dinners. But there's different types of shrimp and they're tiny, but we don't realize their impact. One of them is a pistol shrimp that can basically incapacitate prey by like making a loud sound. It's insane. They are small but mighty. I think we need to remember that about ourselves, whether it's politics or climate change or whatever. I think we, I mean, COVID, a great example of that, right? Like we are, even as an individual person, we have to make sure we're following certain guidelines, certain safety procedures, and people can make other people sick. One person can cause a super spreader event. One person can be the reason why someone stays home. You, you know, nobody's too small to make a difference. I think that is something to remember when we feel helpless even if it's your immediate family. So if it's calling your parents, your siblings, your best friends, um, everybody matters to somebody. So I think shrimp are a great example of you can have a high impact, even if you don't physically feel large or you don't mentally feel super powerful. You have that capability. So always, always protect that and don't underestimate what you can actually do. So yeah, there's a ton in there, but I think right now that's the most topical for me. I try to try to say that to myself as much as I can. I think that's great advice, especially during this continuation of 2020. <laughs> I know this like stupid, it's like, you know, when you're like cleaning the kitchen or something and like you like, try to clean a stain, but like the stain ends up becoming bigger. <laughs> like, oh, like, it's, like yeah, that's what it is. Melts and makes it worse. Really good analogy. <laughs> it's like stain, like, oh, oh, God, it's everywhere. It's spreading. It'll fade away eventually, but. <laughs> And now you mentioned that you are on Twitter a lot. Instagram is another big one where I am a lot. You can't help but see a lot of mental health advice, which isn't correct always. Is there any problematic advice that you have seen a lot? I will caveat with this. I'm not a mental health expert. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a girl who wrote a book about animals. That being said, I do follow quite a bit of accounts that give good advice One thing I do see these accounts talk about, which is very interesting to me, is this topic of toxic positivity. Yes. From what I understand, it's like that that comic, the dog sitting in a room where things on fire, you know, (laughs) and it's like, everything is fine. 
That's um, my favorite though. <laughs> that's like, yeah, I think I'm going to get tattooed on my chest. It's like, that's, <laughs> that's my new look. It's my new brand. I think toxic positivity, from what I understand, it's basically when um, uh, you are told things will be okay, uh, kind of being in denial of certain things, forcing yourself to look on the bright side. I get where it's coming from. I will totally be the person to say like the negative dark side sometimes. Totally. Am I sometimes biased towards the bright side? 100%. That being said, there's no right or wrong way to feel when you are sad. And I think toxic positivity comes into play where it's helped me whenever I'm going through a period of grief or stress. It's okay to just be like, oh, this this shit sucks. (laughs) It doesn't have to become this like beautiful lesson at the end of it. It can just be like, yeah, I'm going through something and this sucks. The only advice I can give for that is like, just like any positive moment, it's like any high you're going to, you know, feel in life, any low will also pass. Nothing is permanent. So I think toxic positivity is interesting to me. I think it's something people do um, with a good intention. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of time they'll say, take a step back. Your problems are not that bad. Look at kids in Africa. They don't have food which I think is very invalidating for the person who's going through something in that moment, even though it's coming from the best place, like they are trying to show you perspective or something, but I don't think it works. No, it doesn't work. And like, do I care about people who don't have food? Absolutely. If I could, you know, if I could directly impact that, I could. However, I read this great quote and it's like, a person who drowns in 10 feet of water and a person who drowns in one foot of water, both have still drowned and died. Yep. (laughs) I think it's about if you have the chance to help a friend feel better, just do it. Don't make that person get pushed over the edge. You have people who are in really shitty situations, like legitimate, you know, like starvation and financial troubles, who will feel bad about themselves. But that doesn't mean somebody feeling bad about themselves for something a bit more privileged doesn't mean that they're not just as sad. It doesn't matter what the reason is. I think if you care about a person, just care about them. That's the message. Care about everybody. But nobody deserves more care. Some people do deserve less care if they're like total shitheads. If they're like evil, <laughs> like you know, like like, like pharmaceutical execs, or you know, if there's like evil people, yep. then it's like I, you are <laughs> fucking dairy. <laughs> like oil execs, like you can be sick for a little bit. But people who are nice and normal, just, just be kind. It's okay. So when you were working on your book, did you take inspiration from any other books? I think so. I think unconsciously, everyone always does. This book I got, 10 Ways to Stay Creative. Oh, I love these books. These are fun. So I didn't try to like emulate this book. This book, it was great when you're feeling stuck and I'm like writing about something and I'll read a few pages. And I'm like, oh, okay, I feel a little bit better. So Keep Going by Austin Kleon. This, this is, I just kind of kept it there. And I liked how it said Keep Going. So every time I felt like, ah, you dumb. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I'll keep, I'll keep, thanks. <laughs> I think in terms of writing style, I like the style that um, there's an author, her name is Mary Roach. She does like love science writing. Um, she's like four or five books out. I like how she makes science accessible, easy mm-hmm. to understand. So I kind of tried to emulate that. And as far as, it's not a book, but as far as like the way accuracy of the facts in here, I really wanted to emulate like Wired or National Geographic. Those are more magazines, but I mm-hmm. like the way that um, the earth around us is made interesting and the way it's written. So I really tried to make it as accurate as possible. Like a lot of scientific research in here, but the style in which I wanted to explain it, I wanted it to be uh, exciting. I don't want to use words that were inaccessible. I don't want to make assumptions that somebody knew what photosynthesis was. You know, just drawing people into the natural world. So that was, you know, a lot of magazines do it really well. So that was kind of the vibe I was going for. If you were to pick three books as your Desert Island books, which ones would you take with you? 
I recently read Educated by Tara Westover. Oh, love that book. Oh, that book is so good. There's another book. Oh, I'm forgetting all these names. <laughs> it's okay. I guess I can use it. I forgot the name of it. But anyway, this is a book about <laughs> if you were, I'll email you and you can tell you. <laughs> I forgot the name. It's like outside. It's this book, but it's like if you were in a time machine or something, the whole premise of the book is like, if let's say you show up in a random year, you can build anything from scratch. So all the way from iron ore to fire to vaccines. It can like explain science and how to like make things from scratch. That book is so good. That's another one for like very survival reasons. And the third go-to book. Does that have to be a real book? Can it be like a, like guess I'd be like a text guy? I was literally just going to say like, I would love to have like a sheet of government contacts. <laughs> no, that's not a book. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I get out of here? Um, I guess maybe I would just do this one. Just keep going, guy. You know, it's like a short one. You get inspiration. Mm. So when am I my island and am I God? Yeah, you also, might get a... sad at some point. So yeah, it will help you keep going. Yeah. And I'm vegetarian. So it's like, I don't know what to eat. Like, you know, should I just like bite the bull and start eating birds? Just eat that squirrel? <laughs> this will maybe give me inspiration to cook something cool. <laughs> the other book that I'm talking about, I'm blanking on. It gives you like a whole list of edible plants, which is great. Uh-huh. This will kind of help me inspire with recipes. Well, I like that choice. Nobody thinks of like a survival guide ever when I ask this question. Oh, yeah. yeah that's the other book. That's like the... <laughs> Send me the name at some point. <laughs> 100%. It's actually so good. It's a like bright green cover. But yeah, it's a survival book. You need that. Like, how do I know not to eat this plant and to eat that plant? I don't get hives and I need to figure out how to get rid of the hives. But then like if I get something else, it makes it work. Like, we got to know about plants. Love that answer, even though I don't know the name yet. <laughs> Hypothetical book. <laughs> yeah. Last question. If you were to pick one interesting life experience to share with us, what would you tell us? Okay. This is like such a brag, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> so the Webby Awards, that's like the internet awards. Mm-hmm. So my company, we had gotten a Webby Award for best productivity tool one year. And that was kind of my project to take on. So I got to go to the Webby Awards. And that was very exciting. Got to accept the award, got to go on stage, the whole thing. And at one point, they ask everybody who's a Webby Award winner to go to this back room to get your photo taken because people are typically important. I was just there. <laughs> I mean, I guess I was important enough to be in that room, but I wasn't noticeable. No one knew I was. So I'm in this room and I have this like cool cassette purse. It literally looks like a cassette tape. <laughs> It's like next to this other woman's purse. And I look at her. I'm like, oh, cool. We like matching purses. She's like, oh, thanks. I look at her and she's like the CEO of Glossier. I'm like, oh, okay. cool. Turn around. Hassan Minaj is like in the corner. Like this is a small room. This is like a bedroom sized room. This is for photos. Hassan, Hassan Minaj is like right there. And I'm like, oh, like, oh my God. Um, and I have this like, I have like my little business cards. I write the like, South Asian satire on the side. And I was like, oh my gosh, I talked to him about my satire site. I had this whole like thing in my mind. And I was like, you know what? probably doesn't want to talk to me so I just chickened out and talked to him and then I see Monica Lewinsky enter the room and I'm like oh she's a notable figure <laughs> and then I turn around get my picture taken come back Issa Rae is just chilling there and Issa Rae has tweeted and talked about using Trello where I work and my team had this plan like if I was to run into Issa Rae I was supposed to give her a Taco Bell gift card as like we love you thank you for using Trello Here's the thing. We have this backup plan for months, like in case anyone runs into Issa Rae, as if people run into her casually. <laughs> but she was going to be the Webbies and we knew that. We saw like the guest list. And uh, she's there. I just approach her. I'm like, hi, I'm Ronnie. I work at Trello. 
And I was expecting like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Instead, she's like, oh my God, it's so good to meet you. I love Trello. And it's like, I just like talk to her as if like I mattered. <laughs> That's I amazing. Gave, gave us like a little Taco Bell gift card. And then the best part of this, in this room with Monica Lewinsky, Hassan Minaj, the CEO of Glossier and Issa Rae, talking to her amidst all these important people, the random photographer happens to get a photo of me chatting with Issa Rae. And that's one of the photos that like on the internet, it's like it's there. And I'm just like, wow, that was just such a cool day. That looks so awesome. And I was like, thank God I got my hair done. I'm so happy. That was an awesome experience that I just, I can I flex so hard. I have not told many people that story. I can imagine how great that would be to be in a room where you're like, oh, this is a known celebrity. And then there's the other person, then this other person. (laughs) Yeah. And there's me just like holding a Taco Bell gift card that says, Isa, thanks. (laughs) Well, she treated you like an important person. So don't downplay yourself. Thanks. All I can hope is that she got like a Crunchyroll Supreme. (laughs) Like, (laughs) again, Kao Pio (laughs) Get some food, Isa. If you remember who I am. Thank you for asking that. It makes me feel so cool. <laughs> Thank you for answering my questions, Rani. It's been great getting to know you. Oh, well, appreciate it. And now I want to talk about your book a little bit. Wisdom yeah. from a Humble Jellyfish, which I absolutely loved reading. What yeah. was your motivation behind writing this book? This book was pretty unconventional in the way it kind of was born. So this actually was a blog post that I had written. This blog post ended up getting syndicated, which if you're not in the you know, writing industry, I, mean, I honestly didn't know what this meant until I got syndicated. When you're syndicated, it means if you write a blog post and other larger brands will like republish on their site. You'll still get credit for it. Shine syndicated it. Shine is a mm-hmm. service. They text you like an article a day. One of those articles was mine. And it was kind of cool. I was like, whoa, people are texting me. Like, oh, cool. I got your text from Shine. Um, one of the people who got that article was an editor. He reached out to me. She's like, I love this concept. You should write a book on it. And I said, okay. <laughs> Again, it goes back to like, did I want to be an author? Definitely. Did I plan on it? Not at all. The inspiration for that blog post came from, it was a work trip and my manager was like, you know, your first writing assignment, I'd love for you to write about like animals and how can they help us learn about productivity? It wasn't even self-care, productivity. I'm like, great. That was my first assignment for my job. That assignment turned into this. I will say, I think, you know, the way it came about is one way, but as far as um, animals and wildlife, that is like my hobby. I love nature and wildlife. I'm the person who buys a planet Earth. Like I buy planet Earth, like the series. Like, I watch it. I buy it. I, <laughs> I love it. It's going on in the background. I will read National Geographic for fun. I love going to zoos. If they're ethical zoos, like we're learning. Like I love animals. I love fungus and mold. I love learning about <laughs> biology. Like it's I could see that. I could see that in the book. Thank when you. I read it, I was like, oh, this person is like a lot into this stuff. I would it's never think I would never think about animals or plants to that level. Thank you so much. Yeah, everyone reading it's like, girl, you need some human <laughs> I truly love the subject matter. Um the self-care part was part of you know this blog post. So that that was that was the tricky part actually writing this book was like how to relate it back, back to self-care. Um but again, a lot of research. A lot of us try to understand um, how the natural world works. So that's how this was born. It was a labor for many fronts, for many people. And you worked with another artist for the illustrations in the book, right? Which I think added a lot of value, especially for me, because I love illustrated books. And it combined the whole flora and fauna with the wisdom you were trying to share. 
How was that whole process like collaborating with another person to create something that's in your head? Yeah. Also, I totally agree with you. I think the illustrations, um, they do add a lot. I mean, so if people aren't familiar with the book, like there's illustrations with each like, chapter, right? So the average page is not, doesn't have any illustrations on it, but the beginnings of each chapter do. So the illustrator for this book, her name is Gemma Carell. She is one of my favorite artists. Mine too. I have followed her for so long. She's just so good. Like that, she has like this really iconic image of like a dog sniffing another dog's butt. And says, I like you. She's very, very witty. She was like a, she was like a stretch goal. She was like, okay, maybe. Like I wasn't even looking in, I was, I was not even entering her halo of fame. I was like, I cannot, <laughs> you know, I was, I was not handing her Taco Bell gift cards. Like she was untouchable for me. I reached out. So the, for illustration for this, my, you know, editors were like, yeah, we should, you know, have some illustrated element for it. Um, so the cover was actually done by Upper Collins, but these jellyfish were done by Gemma Carell. So very bespoke, very personal. The process of that was very, you know, jankier than you'd expect. It was, I emailed and messaged a bunch of people that I found on Instagram, on Etsy, on Pinterest, on Twitter. It's like I reached out people who I thought I had, I wanted, I had a vision. I wanted something colorful. Um, That was a non-negotiable. I want something colorful. I wanted something um, not traditional. That was kind of my thing, but it should be animal and wildlife focused. I found illustrators like that I reached out to probably eight to 10 different illustrators, all of them saying no for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, again, failure, whether it was, hey, this turnaround time is too quick, or hey, I'm not working right now, or um, just a plethora of reasons. Gemma Carell was one of those people, reached out to her agent, so, you know, it's on her site, it's on mm-hmm. art access, I just reached out. Somehow says yes. Of all the people I reached out to, she was by far the most famous for me, the most talented, just the biggest deal. I think I like screamed when I got that email. I was like, <laughs> Gemma Carell, like, does she even know? <laughs> like, what is happening? Um, so that process was great. So getting her, oh my God, win. But then working with her was so fun. Um, we literally had this like sheet, this document <laughs> where I would just make really bad jokes and she would make them into like reality. So for example, there was um, one of my favorite ones is like, like some of them she totally like, this was, this was all her, the sunflower. Like, it's going mm-hmm. to be a, an amazing day. This one I, I literally wrote in, like, kind of, like, our discussion. Like, oh, write, you know, do whatever you want. But there's some of them, like, oh, my God, this one is so dumb. But it's, I think it's, like, I think I'm brilliant. <laughs> this dragonfly, and it's, like. Oh, somehow maybe. I was thinking about this one. Like, it's one of my favorites. Oh, and the it? other one would be sloth. Like, these two were my favorites. Oh, my God. Okay, girl. Thank you so much. So. Probably because I am, like, a sloth, so. <laughs> oh, that that's your that's your end. Yes. I'm glad it was represented. So yeah, the illustration, 100% Gemma Carell. However, what I will take credit for is I literally wrote, I'm like, okay, I want a dragonfly holding martini, James Bond. <laughs> because this whole thing is all dragonflies are like insane killers. Like they're like, like spies. Like they're really crazy. That is a great joke though. So I'm like, I want to be, a, <laughs> I want to be a James Bond dragonfly. I wanted to say something dumb like, shake and not stir. Or the name's fly, dragonfly. And um, it happened. So... <laughs> So the artistic direction was from me because it's weird and hilarious. But some of them, like the axolotl, which is like native to Mexico, mm. he made it like, you know, hey, this axolotl is touring Mexico. So, so much fun. Um, I have not met her in person. I don't have a privilege yet. It was all through email, but um, it was just a highlight. I'm so glad you are also a Gemma Curl fan. That's, all, that's so great to hear. I also draw, I'm not at that level, but I follow her a lot and sometimes I try to recreate what she has because they are so cute 
so cute. We'll have to see your drawings. Like next book, you can you can be my illustrator. <laughs> I'll send you my Instagram. You can see. I'm not huh? that great. <laughs> I'm sure you're better than me. Coming back to your book, you released it during COVID. What was that like? Exactly what it, it seemed like. And what I mean by that is there's the bright side and then there's the sad side. I'll start with the sad side. We'll end on a high note. <laughs> the the parts I missed out on that I still I'm not upset. I just you know, I'm, I, actually no, I'm I'm just sad. I wish I wish I had the chance. I wish I had the chance to do a launch party. You know, we had me and my editors were talking about something like literally just renting out, you know, not even renting out, doing a signing at a local bookstore. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and so there's a lot of really awesome bookstores around here. And doing a book signing would just be like, oh my god, like that'd be like the coolest experience of my life. I've never gotten the chance to do that, and we had to cancel all of that. You know, COVID obviously everything shut down, so didn't get to do a book signing. You know, during COVID as well. You know, I didn't get. I didn't actually, I didn't get a chance to see my book in a bookstore for months. So I missed out on like that um, fanfare of it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's a book coming out. I think I was also maybe especially sensitive to it, maybe because like, you know, we, we, like I'm legally married. We used to, my now husband and I just did the thing, but we postponed our wedding twice. Like it's happening next year, late, later this year because of COVID. So it's this mix of like these two things I was kind of excited about just had to mm-hmm. be pushed, which is fine. At least they're happening, but with the book, especially, I just didn't get to see. I didn't get to see the sparks and things happen that typically happen. Which fine, positive note. I'm going to end on. I'm glad the book released when it did because it was something to look forward to during a really bad year. It yeah, is and nice. something to remember that year by, not just COVID. Exactly, and I think you know, even while we were like cooped up inside, it was nice to be like count down until the book comes out, and it was really exciting to see people reading it. It was really cool to see people online talking about it. So it was something that kept me inspired, and that I'm very thankful for. Like obviously, big picture, thankful to even have a book, but especially this year, it was just something to look forward to. So I'm really happy about that, and I think the fact that it's about self care kind of worked out for 2020. I think people found some solace in it, which I liked. Um, there were some really weird coincidences. At one point, I talk about don't drink hand sanitizer. It's fatal. And that happened. And a few weeks after my book came out, like President Trump went on the air saying, like, inject, you know, inject yourself with, with whatever the hell. Like, like literally basically like drinking hand sanitizer. Yeah. And like my book talked about that. And I got, I got some comments like, what? How did you predict that? Like, I didn't, but that's so funny. <laughs> it's also an indicator that, like, our president-in-chief is an insane person because, like, a random joke about hand sanitizer became what a person actually said. So oh, There have been so many indicators of that. I don't know oh, how yes. people don't see it. Oh, you, yeah. You mean there's been more? Wow, that's, that's crazy. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah. During a pandemic, it was um, it was different. I think, I mean, even as, like, articles and publishing world will say, like, you know, book sales suffered a bit. I never, I never wrote this book for it to make sales. Obviously, if someone was like, do you want this to become a bestseller? I'd be like, yeah, sign me up. Like, let's do it. I'm just happy I got to do it. And during a year where we needed something to look forward to, um, it was nice. It, it was different. I, I don't know if I'll ever have a chance to do book signing. I hope I do one point. I hope someone cares about it enough. But um, I did have, you know, certain friends and family. Like one of my old coworkers, my former coworker, he wanted his daughter really liked the book and for his daughter daughter's birthday her 7th birthday I forgot or ninth. sorry <laughs> I should know for her birthday she wanted to give her all her friends a copy of this book oh and that's so sweet 
it was during the pandemic and she came to a birthday party so for her birthday like i signed like you know 10 books and mailed it over and she gave it to her friends so little little sparks of joy like that where it's like i got to make a kid's birthday party a little bit better because of covid um pandemic weird but gratifying (laughs) and if people do want to buy your book or get in touch with you how can they do that Yes, I would say if you want to buy my book, I understand Amazon is very convenient. If you have the option to not buy my book from Amazon, I would say go for that. Go to your local bookstore. Local, I would support because that the local bookstores are where local bookstores are a getting kind of squashed by Amazon. Um, also, there just is more value for any author for you to go to a bookstore. So if you have the option, I understand Amazon is easy and everybody lives near everything. So go to a bookstore. It should be there. Um, if you don't know if my book is being sold there, I would recommend. This is a very easy to remember URL. It's HC, so it stands for HarperCollins, hc.com backslash jellyfish. And you will see just different vendors who sell the book near you. So it's at most Barnes and Noble in the suburbs, at least. And I think globally, you can, an ebook you can always get. So hc.com backslash jellyfish. Check it out there. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm active on Twitter and Instagram. And it's the same exact handle. It's at Ronster Monster, so R-A-A-N-S-T-E-R, and the word monster, which I'm sure you might tag me in this situation. Thank you so much, Rani, for being a guest on my podcast today. It was great talking to you. Oh my God, thank you so much. I'm so thankful for, you know, anybody doing things that are creative right now. And just, you know, this was something that, again, you you got me to put makeup and got my, get my, you know, do my hair. <laughs> like something to look forward to. And I got to talk to another person. I live with another person. I love him, which is great. <laughs> I talk to, you know, other people. So, but no, I, I love this. And best of luck. I think this is an awesome, awesome idea and a great outlet. Thank you. Uh, Listeners, do check out Rani's book, Wisdom from Humble Jellyfish, and I'll meet you again here next week with a new guest. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Rani. Hope you enjoyed getting to know her as much as I did. You can also watch a video version of this conversation on 11 Questions YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you like this episode, please leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 11QuestionsPod for more videos and updates. And I'll be back next week with a new guest. Bye!